0: Hello and welcome to yet another midweek episode of the Rangers Rundown. I am Max, joined tonight by Mike. Hey now. And we are going to try and sneak one of these bad boys in here, like the Rangers' offenses, and I attempting mean, to sneak some runs across plates or whatever. Um, you know, taking two out of three from the Angels on the uh, the big bat of Adeliz Garcia, that feels pretty good. It feels great.
1: First, uh... First back-to-back uh, road series win since 2019, so it's oh been my a while. Gosh. Yeah, <laughs> oh,
0: <no. laughs>
1: you know, welcome to your uh, rebuilding Rangers. Oh man, I don't know that I really needed to hear that out loud. To be honest with you,
0: uh, that sort of sucks. <laughs> but this is a positive sign. We're we're headed in the right direction, right? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I, I think a lot of heading in the right direction in theory. Obviously, the the pitching has been. Uh, notable, and we're, we're definitely going to get into that. I think the uh, the man of the hour is pretty obvious with the sort of the core topic here, and that's been uh, some an injection of fun. Nine games now of Adelise Garcia, just mash um, mashing dingers and playing center field, which has been kind of kind of dope. My Adelise Garcia tattoo is uh, still fresh. Um,
1: <laughs> hoping to show it off uh, next Rangers outing, but yeah, mm-hmm. no. I have to say he's my new favorite Ranger. He is a lot of fun to watch, and and it's it's not just his bat. He's got the arm. He threw out uh, I forget which Oriole at the plate over the weekend. Mm-hmm. He's got the glove. He robbed Shohei Ohtani of a home run. Uh, I believe that was what Monday. I believe so. Yeah. He's got lightning right, speed. Sure. Hey, I thought
0: that was gone. That was the one off of um, Arahara, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so he did a little bat flip and started his trot, and it was like, oh, I think I'll just go sit down. So it just, he seems to have everything. He's obviously very athletic, looks like an Adonis, like his brother Adonis. He <laughs> 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 just looks like a baseball player. And, and then above all, it's his infectious smile. He is just having the time of his life and it's hard for him to hide his contain his excitement he's just he's so happy and I did a real deep dive on him just to learn a little bit more about the kid, so that uh, we could kind of share that with our listeners and uh, hopefully we'll get to know this guy a whole lot more over the next uh, weeks months years who knows yeah
0: I mean he could in theory be around for some time this is a guy who was basically picked up for free more or less from the Cardinals you know, not you an would, organization particularly well known for, for casting off promising young players, uh, but I will absolutely take advantage of a mistake on, on their part here.
1: Well, you would think it was it was free or next to free, but as I was doing my deep dive, I'm just looking for any info I can find on mm-hmm. on, on him on Google and stumbled across a post on Reddit, which, to be honest, Ruh-roh. I have barely scratched the surface and read it, know nothing about it. And so I thought, okay, let's see if these are some informed baseball fans. And so it said that, you know, he'd been traded to the Rangers for cash considerations. And one commenter said, curious to know if the cards will use the cash to give someone a big contract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Rangers gave $100 million to him. It was a guy who'd been designated for assignment, So it's basically... We'll take anything rather than giving him away for free. So, yeah. And then another yeah, comment It's usually
0: like procedural money. That's how that works out. It's like oh, it's yeah. enough stuff to cover a couple of these minor transactions. So, like, when you pick up the guy who's been DFA'd there in the trade and you're sending a couple hundred grand over that covers, like, you know, a half dozen of these dudes. It's, it's like, roughly my understanding of what that means. Yeah, or it's like covering the closing costs when you're buying a house. You know, it's like a nice thing to have the other guy pay for, but at the end of the day, it's eh, not really moving the needle in, the, in terms of the actual property that you're acquiring or selling.
1: I don't think the cards re- recoup their investment—the 2.5 million dollar signing bonus they gave him in 2017. I'm pretty sure that's not the case.
0: Yeah, so this is a, a fairly sort of a um, late comer. He's, he's 28 years old. Obviously, he, he has uh, experienced quite a lot in his baseball journey, as have essentially all players who have come out of uh, Cuba in the modern era. I know he was over in Japan for a little while. So if he signed in 2017, he would have been you know, 24 years old. He'd been off the island for not that long though, right? He was only no. over there for a little he, while.
1: He, um, he actually signed in 2016 which was also the same year he was the MVP of the Serie Nacional which is Cuba's top professional league so thinking they played probably winter ball you know into the early part of 2016 and then he ended up moving over to uh, to Japan later that year he had a little bit of time in the minors and then he only played in three games and I'm trying to find the name of the Japanese team that he played for, if you'll be a little bit patient with me. <laughs> but the 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 innuendo is that, basically, it was the Yomiuri Giants. That's what it was. This, and, yes, this was in 2016. He was cut after not getting a hit in three games. And the speculation is he purposely caused the release so he could defect. Because he never made it back to Cuba, he he went from there. From what I could tell, he went from there to France, and France is where he declared that he was defecting from Cuba.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. So yeah, talk about a cup of coffee. I mean, three games
0: and <laughs> a bit of a bit of a, sh- a show contract almost at that point.
1: Yeah, because I mean, the cards you know signing for two point five million in twenty seventeen. So that's what he was really around for. He probably already was working that angle. Would be my guess. Um,
0: that does seem to be the,
1: the sort of the nature of things, for sure. Sure. I mean, Cuban players, that's where they want to... They don't want to play in, in Japan. They want to come to America. That's that's the big dream. So, so yeah. So, in 2017, he made it to um, the Cardinals. And um, didn't see a lot of what he did in 2018. But 2019 was an interesting year for him. Because it, in 2018, he got his cup of coffee with the cards, 11 games, something like that. It was awful, as you would expect for someone their first time appearing in the majors. So they sent him to Memphis in 2019 and pretty much just parked him there all year long. Now keep in mind, the Cardinals have an embarrassment of riches in the outfield. So so a guy like Adulus, he was going to have a hard time cracking their top three to begin with. But it's interesting what he did in 2019 for Memphis because... He was uh, AAA. He had 32 home runs, 96 RBIs and 491 at bats. His 96 RBIs was one shy of Paul Goldschmidt's organizational record of 97, and Adulis did it in a hundred fewer at bats than Goldschmidt. He was the leader in home runs and RBI percentage because you know you play different games at various levels of the organization. He was the leader in home runs and RBI percentage for the entire Cards organization in 2019. He led the organization in assists at a, at seventeen in one hundred and seventeen games, which is eye popping. For for point of reference, the entire Cardinals outfield had twenty six games or twenty six assists in one hundred and sixty two games.
0: That seems pretty good, then.
1: It's very good, and he only had three errors all season. I mean, we're talking. What what the knock on him is? They called him a true four-tool player because he was missing the batting average, hitting for average. So Yeah,
0: I mean, and just taking a look at this 2019 line, I mean, you see the numbers there. He said 96 RBIs, he had 132 games played, He's, he had an OPS of over 800, a slugging percentage of over 500, and then you have to do some math there and be like, wait a minute. Yeah, because when you bat 253-301 at AAA, it does certainly invite some questions about that that contact going forward. Um, and you mentioned his uh, his earlier his twenty seventeen twenty eighteen he spent that mostly down in the in the minors just kind of doing well same things he he hit very well in double and triple in twenty seventeen maintained OPSs of over eight hundred both levels um yeah twenty eighteen like you said he debuted in the majors was putrid um, <laughs> extremely bad there's only seventeen plate appearances so who right. cares yeah. really who cares and the rest of twenty eighteen was a bit of a down year form he also again was an below 300, you know, the the power was there at 22 dingers, um, but you know he, he was not making contact uh, no matter what else he was doing. Uh, and then I guess that that kind of wore it as welcome like you said behind the the cards outfield with guys like Harrison Bader and, and Tyler O'Neal um they they are kind of full up on um uh, on options out there in the outfield Dylan Carlson as well I believe is sort of one of the, the top guys out there for him so that takes us to 2020 I guess in the the year that wasn't
1: right so he spent almost the entire uh season of 2020 at the al- alternate site for the Rangers so you're not going to really have stats on him he he right. got a cup of coffee with the Rangers but again I think he got six at bats or seven at bats and didn't get a <laughs> hit so not really indicative of anything other than he doesn't have any experience but then rolls around 2021 in spring training he hit 375 which was 12 for 32 with four doubles three home runs and 12 RBIs his ops was 1.170 pretty good and that that is crazy uh, i mean he opened a lot of eyes he was the very last guy cut and um you know, Woody said he didn't pout. You know, he took it like a man. He understood that, you know, he was still going to get his chance. And Woody was really talking him up and knew that he would be back. So he gets his chance. And just over the last week, just some things that, that Woody and others have said about him were kind of fun. Adulus he was quoted as saying, I'm just trying to enjoy the moments I'm having. I'm not trying to do too much and I'm trying to just live this dream. This is my dream. It's what I've always wanted to do. And I'm trying to enjoy it as long as it goes. That's all you really need to know. Pretty awesome. He's got a, he's got a really good perspective. In, Chris, in spring training, Chris Woodward told Don Wakamatsu, he looks like a superstar. He is built like a superstar. He's playing like a superstar. Maybe it's just an opportunity this kid needs. We might be on to something. And, boy, and, and you really got to hope
0: that they're on something now, too. I mean, they're giving him an opportunity to play center field. There are obviously some questions about the glove, too. You know, he's a great athlete. Obviously, we've seen him run. He he has like a lope to him. He, he really just covers a lot of ground very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks a little odd watching him... Contra Leo Tavares in center, Leo sees him like he glides. He just levitates right. to everywhere he needs to be. And he's always in position. He's such a good fielder out there. Garcia looks like he's really kind of on the prowl. He is moving around and, and, and tracking these balls down, but he's been doing a very good job of it. Um, there's a little bit more, I think, effort there because he's he's kind of still learning center field. I don't think he's really played a lot at center field. I, I don't have his minor league numbers up here. But he has not. He he's he's really is a corners guy.
1: He's, yeah, he's probably uh, a right fielder. He's spent time at all three positions, but I would well, this say... this is an
0: interesting thing for Texas, is that this is now part of... I think you could really say it's a trend. It seems like an organizational philosophy. Texas believes that if you're quick enough, you can play center field. This is a thing that let Joey Gallo play a lot of center field not that long ago. That's true. Um, and we've been converting plenty of guys to go out there and get this done. We've, you know, we've seen... Um, yeah, Eli White is, a, was, I think, more of an infielder, and we said, hey, we like this guy. He's very athletic. Put him in center field. Uh, we've tried a bunch of guys who were probably unusual profiles moving from, especially middle infield, but also some corner outfield positions, to center. And I, I think we, I mean, maybe I should go back a week ago, and I said that I, I was predicting that Leote would get uh, sent down or at least benched. Um, for an Eli White in center. And the Rangers said, Yeah, we've got a better version of Eli White. It's Adelis Garcia. He's going to go out there and he's going to learn center field at the major league level because um, he's big and he's fast and he wants to win baseball games. And that's extremely obvious watching him play. Well, but and what's find- interesting to, to
1: me is that the knock on the Ma- the Rangers for quite some time has been that they don't develop players well. Sure. And what they said about. Adolis is—they wanted him to shorten his swing, mm-hmm. and he has done that, and that's made all the difference. And they've done the same thing with um, with um, Trevino. Have you seen Trevino's batting stance last year compared to this year? Yeah, he seems like it's um, the bat is like straight up now, where it was like almost resting on his shoulder before. Yeah, they I mean, really wanted just to just like get through the zone and uh, be you know ready to move, and it's working.
0: He's he's punishing the ball. It is so they might know what they're doing. So yeah, I mean not- the thing with Trevino, we haven't seen of, uh, obviously is uh, any of the power. That's right. absolutely not been there yet. But when your when your catcher is posting a batting average somewhere around three hundred, he's not walking. But that's never really been a big part of Trevino's game. If he can just be making contact out of the the catcher position, slapping the ball around a little bit, even if this guy isn't really hitting for power, he's providing quite a lot of value behind the plate. And if he can be at least generating singles, getting himself on the base paths, he's established that while he's he is not gonna be mistaken for Delano DeShields Jr. out there, he is not killing you. This is he's not Benji Molina either. Right. Um, on the on the paths, Trevino is is young and he's fit and he can definitely move around. He's he's certainly not um, not killing us on the paths. Uh yeah, if that continues, I think you're right. That's that's a, an, a very interesting couple of pieces to point to for maybe the Rangers are no longer quite as terrible at development at the upper levels and at the big leagues as they sort of have a reputation for over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and and uh, Adulis seems open to learning. He takes to the 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 hitting coaches, from what I've read. Um, I've got a few more uh, interesting quotes. Sure. Um, Woody said he wants to learn. He wants to grow. He hasn't budged, honestly. I thought his first couple of days he was trying to do too much. This is when he first got called up. Maybe because he felt his opportunity wasn't as long. But now I'm sure he's not going anywhere for a while. And that was a really good thing to read to know. This guy's going to get a chance. This isn't mm-hmm. just, okay, we'll give you a little tease. Now go back and tear it up in the minors and we'll think about you later. Um, another thing, someone asked, Woody, what if he really is that diamond in the rough? Woody said, honestly, it changes everything. I've said this yeah. guy could be an impact an impact guy. He's still got to obviously prove it, keep making adjustments, keep learning the league. They're going to learn him. Um, hitting coach Luis Ortiz said he might be the next Randy Rosarina, <laughs> the reigning ALCS MVP. I mean, that's some pretty high praise. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, yeah that'd, be, that'd be
1: extremely good. Yeah, and and another stat that I found that was interesting in Monday's game, he took two walks. That's one more walk than in his previous 53 major league played appearances. So he's getting the patience thing down too, starting to get pitch recognition, and that's when you get really, really dangerous. Shorten your swing, have good pitch recognition. Yeah, and that's the difference between a 250 and a 300
0: hitter. Yeah, um, you know, get to the ball. Make sure you're making some good contact there. And and I'm, so I've been kind of poking around for Garcia. Obviously, we have extremely little data to work with here. It's it's only been I believe nine games in the major league level, so it's it's very hard to draw any kind of conclusive trends from it. But he's been um, like seeing the ball well, hitting the ball well. Um, there were a couple of things that I, I that do stand out. Obviously, these these tiny tiny little samples. Um, his sprint speed is in the eighty eighth percentile for a, a dude who is as sort of like big and built as he is. That's that's good. I mean, you definitely want a center fielder who's in the red. Uh, red is actually good on Statcast, and blue is bad. Uh, so you want the guy in the red there and the sprint speeds, and he very much is. We're not talking about a uh, turbo burner, but that's a very fast player. But another thing that um, Statcast loves about him, and this is obviously not just in very many. Um, innings in the outfield, his jumps—they're—they're they're giving him a 98th percentile on his jumps, which is basically the first step. It's the right. reaction to the ball off the bat, and when a guy who is fresh to center field, who is—I think on paper—relying strictly on speed, just being an athlete and wanting to win ball games, is making great jumps. That's really promising. I mean, this, oh, yeah. this is a, this is a ball player. Um, you you got to hope that the the contact stays playable. It's obviously been a big bugaboo for him in the the minors, where he just wasn't able to make enough contact to be a viable player. And he doesn't bring Joey Gallo's just like stupid bonkers power to the table, where even batting 225, Gallo is an all-star, because he's also walking a billion percent of the time, and everything he hits goes 600 feet. Garcia doesn't quite have that package. But no, but but one thing that he does close. have
1: that's really interesting that the Rangers are really excited about: all three of his homers this year,
0: opposite field, which is fun. That and is they, very he's fun. He's been tanking these things. I mean, he's he's putting some uh, some hurting on him. He's not selling out for pull power. Right, And and that's something that's really, really big for top-end hitters right now, kind of across the league. You know, we've always heard it. Is, you, know, you hear about guys who can um, uh, spray the ball the other way. It's very important to go the other way. That kind of went away a little bit when people were like, oh, no, just kind of hit home runs. Like, if you have to pull, sure, but home runs are better. A home run pulled is better than a double pushed. So, you know, do your thing. Um, and I think that, that pretty quickly faded into, Now you should probably be able to hit the ball out anywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When you can put good swings, put some good lumber on the ball and, and force it to go where it needs to go, which is the seats. Phew. That's that's a ball player. Like, that's all we really want here.
1: Yeah. So you, you mentioned, you touched on his speed and talked about the fact that he was, the way he's built. So I went on his Instagram uh, page, which oh again, my. that's another website that I'm very unfamiliar with, but you know, photos. <laughs> if you was just, See some baseball porn. He's got a photo of him shirtless, you know, showing you his guns. Oh, my God. The guy is insanely cut. It's huge. But it, it, I, I guarantee you, you're st- you're still going to be amazed when you see the photo. And he doesn't have that many photos. He may have 200 photos. Probably not even that many. Won't be hard to find. So what I did find on Instagram is that it appears that he does have a wife and a son, Uh not sure if it's wife or just girlfriend he's very um, uh, secretive about his personal life, which there's definitely nothing wrong with that. He does have a sense of humor um, there was a photo of him with his wife slash girlfriend his son, and he's standing in front of a brand new white porsche in the porsche dealership and the caption just read and then there were four <laughs> <laughs> And there's nice. several photos of the, the Porsche, so, you know, he he took it home, so good he's living him. the good
0: life. You know, you get a $2.5 million signing minutes, you get a Porsche, right? Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah. It's not, that's not a, a particularly unreasonable fee. I mean, like, if it's me, I might be picking up that Toyota Camry just because, uh, you know, I, I don't think I could trust myself with a Porsche at this point, but I'm not Adelise Garcia, and I also can't be trusted with a Major League Fastball. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> And apparently, this man can. So yep. I, it's been a fun start. Like like you were saying, that there's a there's an energy to him that he brings to the the field that has been particularly entertaining. Uh, obviously, Woodward got himself in a bit of a, a kerfuffle over the whole Fernando Tatis pimping a Grand Slam thing last year, and he he pretty much had to be like, "Yeah, Adeliz is gonna he's gonna celebrate his way," and uh, I, I like it. So maybe he can uh, he can crack through and convince Chris Woodward that uh, it's actually okay to have fun playing some baseball. Because uh, I'm certainly having a ton of fun watching him. He's, Heck he's yes, been, he's been good. He's been promising, and he, this is the kind of story we like to see. There are yeah. so many of these guys. You live for who, this stuff. Who, who could make it work, and then they they either don't really get the chance, or it just like never clicks. And obviously, this could all go you know, horribly wrong. And sure, it happens. But you know, you can't take away three, at, at, all three of his home runs. I believe are go ahead home runs. Yeah. Um, that's he's, cool. he's he's
1: a clutch hitter, and and that's another thing that you just go, you can't teach that stuff. Mm-mm. He rises to the occasion, and that's that's huge. He's just he just seems to have it all. And obviously, again, it's a very short sample size. And I'm the biggest knee jerk guy in the world, so he could be sent down and never be heard of again next week. But right now, I'm I'm gonna ride on his coattails and just enjoy every at bat that he's got watch every play he's making in the outfield just uh, rooting for him he's, he's just someone you definitely want to root for for, for sure. so so I'll, I'll end my little deep dive on Adolis with I, I saved the best for last of all the okay. digging that I did and I probably read through a hundred online postings there, there's not a lot of biographical stuff I really had to dig to find anything there um Obviously, like I said, I think he he plays his cards close to his vest. He doesn't – he's not a showy guy off the field. But the, the, the biggest thing I saw about him, of all of that that I looked at, all of his Instagram photos, everything, not one single negative thing. No manager saying he had a bad attitude or he took it wrong when he got sent down. I mean, I, when Woodward talked about the fact that he didn't pout, I just – I thought back to – Willie Calhoun just a couple of years ago. Right. You know, and, and obviously, Dulles is, he's a little bit older. This is a man. But just not a single negative thing anywhere. I mean, the only negative thing you would find is someone saying that, well, he strikes out too much. You yeah, know, sure. not, not, it's not a character thing. It's
0: not about, yeah. not about
1: character and about person stuff. On on and his Instagram photos. Makes it more I mean, fun. I didn't, I didn't study his Instagram photos. I just perused them. <laughs> But well, you still' one instagram
0: photo for i didn't
1: time. I didn't see any photos of him drunk or holding a beer or anything like that it was all it was mostly family, nice, yeah, I mean, it just seems like an all around positive guy, and if he had some negative things in you know in the closet, a lot of that stuff can come out, especially when the the limelight gets uh, shown on someone so it's good to know that it seems to be a really high-character guy. It's just another reason to really like him.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely have enjoyed it a whole lot so far, and I think there's good reasons to, to continue to be excited about it. Hopefully the the play on the field continues at anything like the level we've seen so far. Because, you know, if Texas has found an extra piece, you know, if we sort of stumbled across a, uh, a build-around outfielder to complement Leo Tavares, who maybe just needs some more time, or to slot in at one of these other positions, just give another option for the team, especially another high athletic position, as opposed to another DH. Right. Um, that's that's awesome for for roster building. You know, if we can say Leody, work on it, take your time, figure some stuff out. That's really really good for Texas. Yeah, and I mean Dahl isn't a. I'm beginning
1: to think Dahl's not a long term option in left field. He's he's maybe he's still recovering from injuries but he's he's his, his play is down this year i'm a little bit down on him i mean he seems like a good guy but beginning of season i just had all the hope that he was going to just revert back to his all-star days and never look back but um early returns aren't, aren't that great so if we could find someone like a to slide into left field that'd be huge
0: yeah for sure well, while I was looking at some of the stuff for um, Adelis Garcia and trying to, to pick out some like little interesting areas where he might stand out sort of statistically, I did come across a couple of other things that I thought were kind of fun and interesting to touch on. Um, and that is uh, actually related to Jose Trevino who we mentioned earlier in the offensive capacity. I wanted to look at the kind of work that he was putting in behind the plate because, um, as we said, there's been some interesting pitching developments that I think are pretty worth talking about and I think you have to talk about the catchers when you're doing that as well. Uh, we haven't really seen a ton of Jonah Heim at this point. Uh, just you know, hasn't really had the, um, the, the games and the, the appearances and everything. He, he's played in six games. So not, not been able to provide a whole ton of uh, data or of value quite yet, um, although I, I think what we have seen so far has been solid. Um, he, he he looks fine. Jose Trevino, though, is the, the full-time catcher. He's started the bulk of the Rangers games back there, and we're already to see some of these stats come into play. And so that was to find that he is uh, second in the majors in Fangraph's framing metric, in their framing runs metric at .7. Um, only one player is doing better than him right now. Uh, at, at the full one, um, he is tied with uh, Omar Nevaez and behind only Will Smith of the Dodgers, and he has pitched. Uh, he's caught a, a similar number of innings to them, um, and his defensive runs saved at two is second only to those players amongst catchers. Um, early in the season, uh, Will Smith and Narvaez being at three means they are they are tied for seventh in the league. There's not a lot of differentiation going on at the uh, the top end for this statistic, but there there are two names that really stand out in defensive runs saved. One of them we have seen a lot of this season. Michael A. Taylor, who's playing center field for the Royals, he hit like 17 home runs against Texas in the opening series. Longtime national, I've always loved Taylor. He's uh, really making the most of it, I think, for the Royals this year. Good, good for Mister Taylor. But right behind him is a Texas Ranger, second in all of baseball in defensive runs saved. Who is uh, who is the Rangers' best defender, Mike? Joey Gallo. It is not Joey Gallo, not off to an incredible uh, statistical season defensively uh, for the big right fielder, although it is pretty hard to post good numbers out there. Okay,
1: then I'm going to say AKF because he's our other gold glover from last year.
0: It is indeed Isaiah Kiner. It's six defensive runs saved, which is kind of stupid this early in the season. Um, Taylor has seven, uh, but six defensive runs saved is is a ton uh, out of the shortstop position and i feel that this is exactly what we were hoping for from from izzy and that it almost felt like it was an invisible gold glove like it's hard for me to sit back there and and think of the the highlight plays this this is not a guy who was getting himself on sport center with his nolan Arenado fielding at 20 feet into foul territory and throwing the guy out at first kind of stuff you know well he, he had his share though he did he did have some good plays for sure he most of what gobbled he did was, them un- up. Good was he just he just made all of the plays and right. very rarely do they look Crazy. I mean, it's, the, it's the Andrew Jones problem, right? Where he he almost made all the plays so easily that it was hard to tell that they were particularly great. Well, kind of like Beltre. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: Beltre, everyone. Absolutely everyone did can. That. Everyone can field a, a ball barehanded and and throw while falling to the ground and, and nail the guy at first.
0: Yeah, Good. that's that's but easy. How many right? guys can do it fifty times in a season and not, and not mess it up more than once? Right. Right. Yeah, Guys attempt that play constantly. I watch oh, yeah. a lot of baseball. I watch a ton of non-Rangers games. I, I, I watch at least one non-Rangers game a day if if I can. And uh, I watch that play just get uh, beefed. Yeah. Beefed real hard into the dugout, into the stands. I'm, I'm the, seeing people like ball. grandmothers 20 rows back. Um, and <laughs> Tra and then... You know, this amazing transition that we got with a cold glove season of Isaiah of has apparently transferred over to shortstop, where I really cannot tell you that I've watched a bunch of plays out there and been like, this dude is blowing my mind. With how oh, I've seen a few. But I've I seen a few. I haven't seen... I haven't come away from a game and been like, man, I think a different shortstop would have gotten that ball. I, I don't think I've watched a single play where I'm like, man, if we had you know, peak Elvis out there, maybe that that's a different play. I, I, I haven't seen any of that this no, year. And no, no, he makes them all. He's getting to everything. He's making clean plays. He's so chill on the field that I think it almost takes away from him. He looks like he's not even there. He's just yep. winging that ball to first like he's uh, playing catch with a kid. And he kind of is. I mean, he is uh, an older man on this team of uh, just young children. Well, you know, in spring training, who, what was the publication
1: that just basically gave him zero love? Uh, for Gold Glove consideration at, at, at short, because he said he was going to cut out the article and was going to put it in his locker. Do you remember that?
0: No, I I'm, I must have missed that one.
1: Yeah, I mean he he was offended because I mean he did win a Gold Glove last year and mm-hmm. and here he is doing the exact same thing. Guys winning Gold Gloves at two different positions in consecutive years. I'm guessing that's going to be a pretty short list. But early returns look pretty darn good.
0: It's been pretty great. Especially his ability to to make plays um, out of the zone. This is a a big stat for shortstops. He's not the first in the league on it, but the names that are ahead of him on this list for out of zone are Xander Bogarts, Javi Baez, who's kind of like the the whiz of this, Elvis Andrus, uh, interestingly enough, (laughs) having a very good defensive season at the very least uh, for the A's. And uh, J.P. Crawford uh, with the Mariners, another young shortstop, is a pretty promising prospect there. Taylor has also managed to sneak himself in. Um, the top eight are all shortstops. The top 11 are all shortstops or second basemen. The top 14 are all shortstop second basemen. And two center fielders, Luis Robert uh, with the White Sox. I always want to drop the T. It's Luis Robert uh, and Michael Taylor, who I already De- talked about. Defense happy. is up the middle, man. Bonkers season in center field for the Royals. Super, super big props to Michael A. Taylor. But yeah, is he's uh, he's making not only is he making all of the plays, he's making plays that statistically many shortstops don't make, and he's making them so smoothly that it's hard for me to remember that he's doing them. Yeah, like I definitely I know I could go and look up some some sweet highlights of sliding stops in the in the hole where he's making that big long throw from the knee that the classic Elvis that we we've seen for years. Um, and the fact that I think we're spoiled our left side uh, infield defense of the last decade or so has been just pretty extremely good. From Andrews, who's generally really justified his reputation with the glove, to Beltray, who's one of the three best of all time defensively oh, yeah. at third base. I mean, he, he's the guy. I, he's the one I'm the most familiar with. All
1: around, I think he's number one if you consider bad end defense. I, he's that's in just that conversation
0: for sure. I'm, he's my pick, um, but. I might That be transition, biased. right? Yeah, I think we're both allowed to be a little biased there. Um, as I look fondly at my Beltre jersey that I can reach out and touch, and so I will. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at my Beltre bubblehead. <laughs> yeah, um, it's been it's been obviously again we're still very early in the season. Have we hit the 10% mark? I I, um, yeah, we're nine and ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're nine and ten. By the way, we're we're, we're one game out of, of the way through the season. Uh, and the fact that we, I, I really don't feel like we've had anything lost at shortstop, and maybe we've even gained um, defensively on the left side. That's pretty whack. Uh, yeah, which is yeah. But is I, I thought that after Beltray left, Elvis was a little bit
1: exposed, especially because he's a little bit older. But I think Beltray made up. We've had this conversation before. I think Beltray made up for some of Elvis's shortcomings in the field because Beltray could sure. cover so much ground. So. Yeah. But uh but yeah, IKF is doing a great job there. And um hopefully we get to see him uh, playing alongside Mr uh Josh Young here very soon.
0: That would be extremely fun. Um obviously. Pretty I'm I'm
1: just that. I'm just I'm starving for minor league stats. Yeah. Um, There's
0: only so much to, uh, to dig through right now for Ranger Stats, and I was lamenting before the podcast started that uh, I keep refreshing the StatCast Rangers page to hope that something will really jump out and seize me and be fun to talk about, and we're not there yet. So give me some sweet Miners content that we can uh, just haul off on.
1: So S- Scott Lucas sent an email to earlier today, and uh, Curtis Terry hit a nice home run today and said that... Sweet. He said that his pitch recognition has really improved since the last time he saw him saying that he's he's laying off those uh, borderline pitches and looking much better so I kind of excited about that guy consider me
0: hype Thais yes. Terry is a fun player um, the rig the big rig oh I gotta love the big rig yeah uh, I do have one other fun player and I, I know I keep coming back to this particular well but I, I have a, a statistical anomaly that I think people will find extremely fun and interesting um Hat tip to my friend Bree, who pointed this out. But Shohei Otani has a higher OPS than ERA.
1: Okay, so his, his OPS is over 1, I'm yep. guessing, is what you're saying?
0: His ERA is 1.04, and his OPS is 1.044.
1: Holy cow.
0: <laughs> That's...
1: Has that's that ever happened the in history?
0: It, that's, it's <laughs> such a ridiculous stat that I heard it and I was like, okay. And it took me a while to be like, no, that's insane. That doesn't make sense. That means you have to have a ridiculously elite ERA and OPS, and also be both a hitter and a pitcher. <laughs> like, it's it is maybe the most bonkers stat I've ever looked at. Yeah, it makes no sense. Higher OPS as of four twenty two twenty one. Higher OPS than ERA for a starting pitcher.
1: And like Trout, he's stuck in a crap team that's never
0: going to win him a championship. Man, these Angels. I mean, look, if I'm an Angels fan, how do you drop two of three to the Texas Rangers in 2021? Well, but how do the Rays? (laughs) The Rays? Defending
1: AL champs
0: it's, and the, it's the baseball. The Angels are, are... They probably should be a better team this year than they are. The offense is really solid, but the, the A's have... the A's. The Angels have fallen into the same problem they keep running into for the last, like, decade and that they, they just... They're not supporting um, their offense with pitching. They, they, they had a, a couple of years of some good pitchers, and they had only Trout in the lineup, and now they, they kind of fixed that by adding some bats. Obviously, the additions of Otani and Rendon are enormous, but... Yeah, from what I heard, their pitching they're, staff looks extremely mortal against the Rangers. Even Shohei Otani, who obviously had four seven strikeout shutout innings, he walked six. Yeah. <laughs> he's far and away their best pitcher. It's not It's not even close. His, well, they've ERA got, plus
1: they've got says, Quintana on their team, too. So, I mean, he's going to drag them down. From what I heard from one of the last broadcasts, that they were kind of the opposite of the, of the Rangers. They have a stellar relief core and a struggling starting staff, you know, Obviously, Otani excluded, mm-hmm. whereas the Raiders yeah. have this elite starting and, core. Uh,
0: Aaron Slagers, who is approximately eight feet tall. Um, I was afraid he was coming out of my tablet screen when I watched Aaron Slagers take the mount. I thought he was going to break the frame. He's like 6'11 or something. That reminds um, me of something I saw mm-hmm. when I was
1: searching uh, Adolis stuff today. He's 6'1", but I actually saw him listed as seven one three zero five on one side. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, yeah, someone needs to edit that uh, content I want to fix there. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the the bullpen, Sishek and Alex Claudio love to see Alex Claudio. Oh yeah. Oh one. yeah. Slager's Myers Iglesias has been pretty bad, but then they're um, they're starting pitchers. So um, the. Uh, here here are the six starters for the Angels for the season. We we saw a bunch of them in the series. You have to get to know these people, folks, if you're a Rangers fan. We're going to see them a lot this year, so, you know, buckle up. Dylan Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Griffin Canning, Alex Cobb, uh Jose Quintana and Shohei Otani. Of them, how many of these pitchers have an ERA+ plus, which is uh league average is 100? How many have an ERA+ plus of 100 or better? 1. 1. It's Shohei Otani. What is his ERA plus? What's, what's, what digit does it start with? One, two, three, four, or five? I I'm to say two. Nope. Three? Nope. Oh, it's one. Four. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. Thirty-seven. You don't see that outside of relief pictures with tiny samples. Um, uh, Otani's sample size is extremely small so far, but he's been essentially unhittable. Um, he just, he, he, sorry, he gives up some walks, but he uh, strikes out the universe. So 14.5 strikeouts per nine, pretty good. Uh, all the other pitchers, uh, Bundy is at a 98, Cobb's at a 97, so below average, but um, right stomachable. But Heaney, Canning are at 79 each, and Jose Quintana uh, sitting pretty at a 50, how the mighty have fallen. So the Angels can't pitch. So even when they're getting some good offensive performances from a couple of players, like uh, this fish guy uh, and... Shohei Otani. They're obviously seeing some really good stuff from Jared Walsh this season. Um, Justin Upton looks looks fine. Buchholz looks pretty toast, but he still hits dingers. Rendon is going to be fine. Kurt Suzuki is very good behind the plate. David Fletcher is off to a very slow start, but they they love that guy. They just signed him to a big extension. He'll probably be good. But they're going to just go into the, the opposite of what the, uh, the Angels were for a few years there in the, the early teens, where they're going to have one pitcher... And an offense, and that's not going to win them a lot of games. Um, no, and, it, and it they're a very old team. Yeah, they got some young guns in, a little bit. In like Fletcher is is he's twenty seven though. Actually, now I think about, it. he's new to the majors, but he's he is already twenty seven years old. Um, Walsh is also twenty seven. Shohei is, I believe, their youngest regular position player, and their second youngest starting pitcher behind only Griffin Canning and their youngest man they don't have a lot of young relief pitchers
1: <gasps> they don't have a lot of young anything They're, I mean whoa, I, whoa, whoa 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 they were talking about this on one of the previous broadcasts I don't remember the exact numbers but the, both pitchers and position <sighs> players were averaging in the 30s
0: <sighs> they have a very interesting relief pitcher though who oh my god they have Ben Rowan do you remember Ben Rowan sounds vaguely familiar. I he mean, was I a submariner for the Rangers in the death season in 2014. Oh gosh. The pure submarine guy. Like knuckle duster. And you think that's interesting? Oh, I loved him. And it's seven years later and... Yeah. Yeah. Ben road is, is he's back in the big so he pitched only that he pitched that year for Texas and then right. I saw him again with uh, the Brewers in 2016 and he was in I think the Dodgers minor league system for a little while there and he may have even had a call-up but did not appear um but like he played for the, the skeeters he played for Sugarland in 2018 like this is a dude who's been an independent ball and is uh, apparently back in the bigs and has pitched in two games so
1: well those skeeters are no longer independent Max. They just got purchased
0: by the uh, Astros today. Wow. Oh, today? Yeah. Wow. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, we knew they were going to be the AAA affiliate. This was just, uh, just um, you know, a formality.
0: Oh, I must have missed that. Yeah, you did. Uh, just like I missed uh, Ben Rohn being back. So, super super props to Ben Rohn. I, I love, like, those, uh, especially funky pictures. You know, Claudio, Ben Rohn is super fun because of that crazy submarine crap he had. Um, I, I love a weird pitcher. I, I love those little, like, um, taste at the bigs guys, especially in the 2014 season. I feel like I have a strong connection to every one of those poor, cursed bastards who played that whole year. Like, I will always remember Kevin Kuzminov uh, very fondly. Uh, and so Ben Rowan uh, being back in the bigs, that uh, that rules. M- major props to uh, Ben Rowan. That, uh, that's very fun. But, yeah, this is a, that's a, a weird team. The Angels, you'll love to take two of three out of them in this series here. Texas is a game off of 500, uh, and you don't you know that Adelise is going to do his absolute best uh, against the White Sox this weekend to try and get us in. So game one, Dane Dunning, the revenge of the Dunning. Yes. Um, I'm not sure who the starters are here for the White Sox, so I'm going to pop over to their roster page and see if Fangrass is a better – it's not listed on uh, be at bat right now. I'm looking as well. It looks like Dylan Cease is projected to go against Dane Dunning. And then we will get Gibson in the Saturday game against Dallas Keichel. Love to beat up on Dallas Keichel. I have. Oh, Rangers are a Keichel killer. Unfond memories of that man as an extra. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then Kohei Arahara against Lucas Giolito on Sunday night. I believe Giolito's last appearance, he got absolutely rocked, which means he'll probably strike out 16 in six innings against the Rangers. But.
1: Of course. Hmm.
0: Such is the nature of things. But it'll be a good weekend,
1: and uh, we'll have a lot to talk about on Sunday.
0: Yeah, and if the if the Rangers can somehow squeak out some uh, some wins here against the White Sox, eh, that'd be kind of fun. White Sox are a very good team, and we oh, have yeah. the, the best pitching matchup for us really only in that uh, Lance Lynn is, I believe, on the injured list right now. Ooh. Uh, that, I think it's thank you, Lander Dane Dunning. Thing. Um. Uh, I. Blanking now on the injury, so it didn't look like it was a particularly serious um, injury. Just going to keep him out for a little bit. He's been arguably the hottest pitcher in the American League, so don't really hate uh, missing the the Lance Lynn reunion no. tour there. No, and hopefully Mister Dunning can uh, can take some frustrations out on his former parent organization. So that's what we got, Mike. You got anything else uh, in the pipes there? No, I'm looking forward
1: to uh, discussing the White Sox series on Sunday.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. We'll have Hayden back this weekend, uh, in theory. I will see if I'm still upright. Got my first uh, uh, vaccination today. Um, nice. I'm going to try and milk it for as much as I can get. Um, you know, really play up how sick I am the next couple of days. But I'm, I'm feeling okay so far. Feeling good. Got a, i got a deadline now on when I can go out and be a human being again. Late June, or late May, sorry. I'm coming for you.
1: Oh, I've already planned my... Uh my guys' weekend. All my friends were getting together uh, the first weekend in June. Ooh, nice! Lots of uh, grilled meats and um, baseball talk and a few libations. Cannot Ooh. wait. Libations.
0: Yes. Don't say, I am looking forward to some minor league ball that's starting up. Uh, my my closest affiliate these days is an Astros affiliate, which does suck. Uh, but I will get. I think Kinston is in the same league. I can't remember which. Um, <laughs> which I know Kinston is now the A-ball, and Hickory is the high A, but I don't remember what team this one is, and so one of them I will get to see. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting some in-person scouting. my might uh, tool around North Carolina a little bit. Catch some Hickory and Kinston games in uh, um, stunning 3D with my own eyeballs. Well, we need uh, photos, or it didn't happen. Oh, yeah. I, I will... Uh, do a terrible job of documenting that with my cracked, broken uh, Note 8. Whatever Note this is, I will do my best to uh, to (laughs) upload some excellent ballpark shots. I'll sample all the beers we have available once I am uh, fully vaxxed up and ready to be. So, late April. Rangers aren't uh, aren't completely dead in the water. There are some fun things to watch still on this team. Hopefully, Adelise Garcia just adds to that list. Yes. We're going to be here for it. We're going to watch every game. Go Rangers. Or at least we're going to pretend we watched them all. woo Go Rangers. <laughs>